We've been going through a series of, uh, going through First Peter, the Apostle Peter wrote this little letter and we've been going through it, but we're taking a break. And uh, for a specific reason, there's two significant events that often we just kind of overlook as the church, especially uh, our church over the last number of years. So I want to take some time to, to dive into those. But before we do that, um, I'm going to uh, list a few words and some phrases, and I want you to kind of gauge your heart and, you know, your heartbeat rhythm. And, you know, if your hands start getting clammy, just kind of gauge what happens inside of you as you hear these words. Some of these words are uh, words that fill people with fear, okay? So that you may see some of these and you're like, oh, I'm afraid of that, or that fills me with fear. And kids, you can kind of go along with this as well. So here's a few words. Just kind of gauge your heart as you hear these. So the first one is spiders. Mm, some of you are like, ah, I don't know. Not, not a big deal. Some of you get, get a little clammy. Uh, what about snakes? Oh, yeah, that's a little, just raise the bar there a little bit. Uh, monsters? No, anybody got some fear when it comes to monsters? I could describe some monsters. No, just kidding. Maybe you're like, I'm not afraid of those kind of things. Like, I'm, I'm over those. Maybe your areas of fear are a little bit different. Maybe they're along these lines. Heights? Right? It's like, I just can't climb things, right? It's just like the world starts spinning faster than it's supposed to. Uh, public speaking. That's like traditionally one of the biggest fears of all of us, right? And then there's this one, the dark, right? Maybe you're afraid of the dark. Or maybe like me, you're just simply afraid of the basement. <laughs> that's, that's me. Actually, it's the basement in the dark. That's what got... I don't know, like when I was a kid, I had this fear of the basement, specifically in the dark, and fears have this power. I still don't like basements in the dark. I don't know, there's just this thing. And I grew up Mennonite, so that means uh, from conception, I was taught like when you leave a room, you turn off the light, right? Because you're just always saving, you know, money. And so, but the problem with our basement growing up is the light was only one, and it was at the bottom of the stairs which meant you had to like turn off the light while you were downstairs in the dark. And I was sure, I don't know, you guys, maybe some of you had this. I was sure the moment the light went off, monsters entered our basement, right? And so like they were gonna grab my feet and kind of drag me into the abyss of our basement. And so I would like climb up as many stairs and then, and then reach and I'd look around in the light. There's no monsters. I hit it and I just run. And I was always sure there was like, these things are gonna grab my feet. And it was amazing. When I got to the top step, it's like home free. It's like, I'm safe now, right? But I don't know what it is about like basements. The one thing it did save me from, I never went through that kind of time in my life where I went, you know, some people like, I just went through this season where I watched a lot of horror movies. I didn't have to, because I kind of lived it, right? With the basement and the dark. I just, I had my series. I never went through that movie scene, you know? Um, but you know, what, what we know is fear, Fear has a great deal of power in our lives and often a great deal of power over our lives. And because of the fears that we have, sometimes we just, we make irrational decisions. We think illogical thoughts. Like, I know it's illogical to think that monsters just appear when the lights go out. But it's like, we don't think logical thoughts because fear has this power over it. Sometimes we make really really unwise and foolish decisions because of some fear. Maybe it's a fear of not fitting in. And so we'll do things that's like, I just had such a great fear of not fitting. I, I did some things I regretted the rest of my life. Fear has a great deal of power in and over our lives. 
And one of the main ingredients, I kind of want to just dive into this. One of the main ingredients of fear, or maybe one of the areas that we struggle with fear most in, is in the area of the unknown. It's when we don't know that often our minds begin to run wild and free, right? Our imaginations begin to run wild and free. And I think this, you know, with the basement and the dark thing, it's when the lights went out that I couldn't see. And suddenly it became unknown. And when it became unknown, my imagination filled in the blank of all the things that I could not see. And I think this is true in life. When there's unknown or we are not sure about, often our minds, if we aren't, you know, intentional, they can become, uh, they can start to run wild and free. You know, one of the areas of the unknown that we often fear is the unknown future. And here's a few areas in which we often fear the unknown future. Maybe you can relate to some of these. We fear the unknown future as it relates to our health, right? Am am I going to die? Am I going to get some disease? Um, We live in the information age and I'm so thankful for Google, but this plays against us. It just allows our imaginations to run even more wild and free, right? Some of you have done this. You get a little ache in your hip or, you know, you have this little ache and, and then you Googled it. That's where you went wrong, right? Yeah, you Googled it. And like, thank you, God, for Google and all the information that's so easily, readily available. But then it's like, you found out, like, I have 14 hours and 28 minutes to live, right? Like, I contracted this rare disease and I'm done, right? But maybe you have some unknown fear of the unknown future as it relates to your health or the health of your loved ones. Maybe your area that uh, you struggle with fear of the unknown future is in the area of the economy. And it's not just the economy out there. It's It's personal, right? It's like your economy. Like, how are my investments going to do? And and, and how am I going to get through this time? And and what's going to happen with my money, right? And and we we, we don't know what's going to happen with the economy, right? And maybe you're in business. You're like, what if business dries up? Or farmer, it's like, I planted seed. And what's going to happen to the seed, right? And we we don't know the future. None of us know the future, right? And then we can begin to allow our minds to run wild and free and, and we're filled with fear. Maybe your area of uh, fear is in the area of failure. This is one I struggle with. What, what are the failures in my future? And I, I don't know what they're gonna be and I can let my mind run wild and free as it relates to failure. Maybe for you, it's in the area of loneliness. Am I ever gonna find someone to do life with the rest of my life? What if my loved one dies and I'm left all alone? Maybe for you and for many of us, we fear the unknown future as it relates to the government and world events, right? What's going to happen with the election in a week and a bit? And what about world events? And have you ever noticed few of us worried about COVID before COVID happened? But now because COVID has happened, it's like, what else could happen? And our imaginations can just run wild and free. And again, we thank God for, for Google, but it just doesn't help the situation, right? Because as it relates to the future and world events, we all have theories, don't we? And some of us like to call each other's theories conspiracy theories. We all have theories. And some of my theories are probably gonna come true and some of your theories might come true, but undoubtedly, some of my theories aren't gonna. And some of your theories aren't gonna. But here's where the trouble is with Google. It's like, we just, we didn't just let our own minds run wild and free. Now we have access to everybody else's minds that are running wild and free and all the theories of what could yet happen. And if we're not careful, we can become fear driven and fear filled. 
But I want to tell you today there's hope. There is an event in history that happened. And because this event happened, it actually gives us not only hope for the future that we do not yet know, and we have our guesses, but it also gives us security and stability to step into that future that we do not yet know, that we have some guesses about with confidence rather than being filled with fear. And as many of you know, maybe you don't, but 43 days ago, we celebrated an epic event. I don't know if you know this. Probably the most celebrated event in the Christian calendar in our culture is Christmas. But the event that we celebrated 43 years ago, or 43 days ago, is the event that is the cornerstone of our faith, Easter. When Jesus died on the cross by crucifixion and then he was raised to life by the power of God. And not only did he pay for our sin, when he rose from the dead, he conquered the power of our sin, amen? Wow, what an amazing event. But here's the deal. What we're gonna talk about today and next week actually takes the power of the resurrection and it makes it applicable to us today. And it helps us face the unknown future that we are often so filled with fear about. See, if Jesus had simply died for our sin and then been raised back to life, but stayed on the earth, we would not have access to the power of the resurrection. It would be an amazing story, but it would not, have, it would not be applicable to us. But what we're celebrating four, three days ago on Thursday was the day of ascension. When Jesus not only raised from the dead, but he went to heaven. And when he did, it changed everything. It was a game changer for every generation that would follow because that event made the resurrection power applicable to those who would come to follow Jesus. And next week, we're gonna celebrate the other event. There's actually two, and that is the day of Pentecost. But today we're gonna talk about the day of ascension. So what is the day of ascension and how did it make the power of the cross and the resurrection applicable to us? Well, Luke, who was probably not an eyewitness, may have been an eyewitness, probably wasn't an eyewitness of the ascension. He spoke to eyewitnesses and here's his account of it as he uh, relates it in the book of Acts. He says this, after his, that's Jesus' suffering, he, Jesus, presented himself to them, his disciples, and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive because everyone was like, I don't know if someone actually rose from the dead, right? And so he, he showed himself to people. Many people thought maybe it's just a figment of their imagination. Maybe it's just the spirit of Jesus. And so he would eat food in front of them because ghosts and spirits don't eat physical food, right? And he let them touch him. And he gave these, these convincing proofs to say, I was dead, but I am alive physically. God has raised me to life, right? And then he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And the apostle Paul tells us that he appeared to some 500 people at one time to show them that he indeed had been raised from the dead. But that was for 40 days. And then Jesus said this in verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's speaking of the day of Pentecost. We're gonna talk about that next week. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up. He was ascended before their very eyes. He ascended before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, probably angels, showed up and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? It's kind of like, what are you doing? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Do you know that today as followers of Jesus, we live between two epic moments in history? We live between the first ascension and the second coming of Jesus. We are the privileged people in history that get to live in between that time. We live in the middle. We live in a, in, a, in a time when Jesus has not only died and rose back to life, but he has ascended to heaven and he sits at the right hand of God as king. He sits on a throne right now. And we live between that time and when he returns, he will come back the very same way he left. This is, this is amazing. We get to live in that time. So how does Jesus's ascension bring about security and hope as we live into a future we do not yet know. Well, the Apostle Paul speaks to the significance of the ascension and how it makes applicable the power of the re uh, resurrected Jesus for us in a prayer he prays in Ephesians chapter one. And if you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to Ephesians chapter one. And as you're finding your way, uh, let me just say this regarding, this is a, Paul, uh, a prayer that Paul prays. Um, and if you wanna know what's most important in your life, Listen to your prayers, because typically we pray about the things that are most on our heart. If you want to know what's most important to the people around you, listen to their prayers. Often we pray the things that are most close to our heart, the things we're like, God, I need you in this. And as Paul prays, and he says he prays this prayer over and over and over, it shows how important this is. And he wants the people of Ephesus to know, the Christians in Ephesus, I think he would want us to know this truth and reality as well. Regarding the ascension and the importance, how it made the resurrection applicable to us as we face a future not known to us, here's what the Apostle Paul prays. He says, I keep asking, I keep praying this over and over and over. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I bet at some point in your life, you've prayed for those two things. You've like, God, I really need some wisdom right now, right? I really need you to reveal to me. And often it has to do with our future, right? Like, God, I just need some wisdom. I'm graduating this year. What, what, what's my future look like? Would you just reveal to me what you want me to walk into? God, I'm facing this health crisis. Would you just reveal to me? God, we're gonna face a pandemic. Would you just reveal to me how to be prepared for the pandemic? Buy toilet paper. Got it. Thank you. I know now, right? It's like, we, we pray this prayer because we think Paul might finish the prayer this way, that the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may make better decisions for the future, right? It's like, this is what's important to us. Like, I don't know the future. God, would you give me wisdom and revelation so I can walk into the future better? But do you have, Paul does not pray that. I made that up. Because <laughs> this is what we think he may say, but do what he actually said. Do you know what Paul thinks is more important than having wisdom for the future to know how to make good decisions and wise and, and, and revelation? Just here's what he says. This is more important. He says, so that you may know him better. 
See, what's more important than us being prepared for the future that we do not yet know so that we can kind of navigate it better than everybody else around us is so that not so that we have some sort of insight into the future, but that we know the one who holds the future. And Paul said to the church in Galatia, he said, the only thing that counts is your faith. And your faith is about you knowing Jesus, you knowing him, because when you know him, then there is stability and there is security and you can move into the future with confidence because you know the one who already holds it and who has power over it. He continues, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, he just says it in a new way, but says the same thing. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may be awakened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the hope that you have in Jesus. Do you know the hope that you have? When you know the hope that you have, he says it changes absolutely everything because Jesus did not only die and rise back to life, he is at the right hand of the Father. Now he begins to, to kind of flesh out for us this hope that we begin with. He starts this way, this is crazy. He says the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This is confusing and a, a bit mind-boggling. See, we know, because Peter writes about this and Paul writes about this, that one of the things that we have because of hope in Christ is an inheritance in Jesus that we will get heaven and salvation will be, we have this inheritance coming for us because we have put our faith in Jesus. But Paul isn't talking about that. Listen to what he says. He says, the riches of whose glorious inheritance? Jesus's. He's talking about Jesus's inheritance. Do you, who is Jesus's inheritance? His holy people. You, if you have put your faith in Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. Get this, you are the inheritance of Christ. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and guess what? It's not because you did something awesome. It's simply because you put your faith in someone who did something awesome on your behalf. This is unbelievable. You and I, because Jesus bought us with his blood, become the inheritance of Christ himself. That means you are a treasured possession of God. You are valued. That's a lot of hope. That there's a God who values me? Who's gonna have my best, not according to me, but according to him, because he knows best, my best interests in mind? That's someone I can trust. And he goes on. This inheritance, he goes on. And his and the Jesus is, he's speaking of Jesus, and Jesus is incomparably great power for who? For us who believe. Okay, okay, Paul. So there's this incomparably great power. We can't compare the power of Jesus. How great is his power? Paul's like, I'm glad you asked. Let me, let me just dive into this. That power that he's talking about is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he, God, raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. This Jesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead and the same power that ascended Jesus, took Jesus from earth to heaven and put him at his right hand is the power that's available to you and I. That is unbelievable. Why do we fear? That's the power that's just been made available to us as children of God, speaking of this power, speaking of the power that is Jesus's 
power that has now been made available. Here's what he says about Jesus' power. It is far above all rule, not some rule, not that rule, all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Every power, every power in the universe, whether it is a physical power, a kingdom power, a government power, a person power, every physical power is inferior to Jesus. That's what he's saying. But not only every physical power, every spiritual power, any name that you could invoke, and there's a lot of names, if you get into the spirit world, it gets scary fast because there are a lot of powerful spirits. But when Jesus walked the earth and he came in contact with the spirits, do you know what the spirits did? Because they're inferior. They fled. And since Jesus was on the earth as followers of Jesus for the last 2000 years, when Christians come in contact with someone who's demon possessed, do you know what name they call on? Jesus because there is no power given among men that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. Every power, you name it, is inferior to the person of Jesus, but not only inferior. Paul's not done, he continues, he goes on and says, and God has placed, get this, all things. And when Paul said all things, he's not like most things, some things, these three things, God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him, what? To be head over everything. That is unbelievable. Not only is every power, every power you can imagine inferior to Jesus, every power has been made subject to Jesus. Not only is every power inferior to Jesus, every power is subject to the person of Jesus. It is about Jesus and what he is doing. So when things happen in the world, they didn't happen because they could on their own. They went through Jesus. And you can take that to the bank. Every power and authority has been subjected to Jesus. That's why he says, and God placed all things, not some things, under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything inferior and subject to Jesus. And then Paul says three words that will blow your mind and I can't, I can't even wrap my head around this. But he says this, here's why, here's the purpose why God did this. And appointed him head over everything for the church. What? That's right. See, when Jesus was walking with his disciples one day, he asked them a question. He said, who do people say I am? And the disciples were like, well, some say Elijah, who's this, don't know the story of Elijah, a prophet who had, a great prophet of Israel, lived some eight, 900 years before Christ came. And some say you're like the reincarnation of John the Baptist, who had lived just a few years. And then Jesus said, yeah, 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 but that's what people say, but who do you say I am? And Peter, you know Peter, because we're in a series on Peter. He spoke when he shouldn't have, and sometimes he spoke when he should have. This time he nailed it. And he said, you are the Christ, the Messiah. That means the anointed one. That the nation of Israel had been looking forward to the anointed, the Messiah to come as king, to be ruler over all. He said, you are the anointed. You're the king. You're the one who is, who is prophesied about who was to come. And Jesus said, you're right. 
And because I'm Messiah, because I'm the anointed one, because I have come to rule, do you know what I'm gonna do? And he made a prophecy. And Jesus said this, I will build my church and nothing, the gates of hell itself, Hades, death, and sin and hell cannot stop what I am going to do. I'm gonna build my church, which is why Paul said, God placed all things under his feet, everything, and appointed him head over everything. For what purpose? To do the thing he said he was gonna do, to build his church. Do you know what that means? This is, this is unbelievable. This means that everything in our world and everything in history is pointing to one thing, it's what Jesus is doing in building his church. If you wanna be at the epicenter of what God is doing in the world, get involved in what Jesus is doing in building his church. And it also means this, and this is gonna rattle some of you. COVID actually wasn't even about COVID. Not according to Paul. It happened because Jesus allowed it to happen and it was gonna be used to build the church. And the election, it's bigger than the election. Our world does not spin around well, who's gonna be our next ruler. The world spins around what Jesus is doing in the world in building his church. And the church is the community of those who have put their faith in, in Christ corporately. But do you know what that means individually? When Jesus says, I'm gonna build the church, do you know what that means for us individually? It means I'm gonna build faith in people. People who have put their faith in me as their savior and Lord. And so when Jesus says, this is all for the church, it means it's about you and your faith. Does it mean that we're never gonna go through hard times? Of course it doesn't mean that. Jesus has allowed some hard times. But I think the question, as we wrestle and we, we fear what's coming and we wonder what's coming, we need to remember this is under Christ, every power is inferior to him and it's subject to him. And what He's allowed this for the church. So the question we should be asking when we go through hard times is not, oh no, what's the future hold and how are we gonna get through it? But the question we should be asking is, I wonder what Jesus is up to through this, that he's gonna use this to build the church. And personally, as I go through hard times, I wonder what God is up to in my life and how he's gonna use this event and this struggle and my wrestle in this trouble to build my faith as I release my struggle and trust in him. Because that's what he's doing in the world. And then he goes on and says, and, and God has placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is regarding the church, which is his body. We're the body of Christ. And it's the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus said, I think in John 14 or 15, you can look it up. He said to his disciples, one day when I leave, I'm gonna come back and make my home in you. And when the spirit comes, he's gonna make his home in you. The very presence and the fullness of Jesus in the world today is guess where? In the church. We are the representation of Christ. He is filling us in every way, so that the world may know the way to the Father. So, how does this give us security? I hope you figured it out, but let me help you. Fear has a great deal of power in and over our lives. And as we face fear, the reason we face the fear 
and it creates fear in us is because the power that fear holds, which means that power is the antidote to the fear in and over our lives. What we need is to understand there is a power that's more powerful than the power we fear. That there is a power more powerful than the power that we get anxious about. And that power is the person of Jesus. See, because all power is Christ's. And if you didn't hear it yet, he's using it for the church. He's using it to build people, his remnant, to draw people to himself. See, you and I, we don't know the future. We have some guesses. I have some theories. I bet you have some guesses and some theories. You probably think mine are crazy and I probably think yours are crazy. But we simply know who has power over it. And he is for you. You are his treasured possession. He bought you at a price. I don't know why. I don't know why he would do that. It's not like we did anything amazing. It is all his grace and all his kindness to us. But in the meantime, we can step into a future that we do not know with confidence because he has power over it. This is why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter eight said this, and he personalized this. He said, and we know that in all things, again, not some things, in all things God works for good, for the good of those who love him, for his people. Because that's what he's doing. He's building his church. He's building faith. The one thing that counts is our faith and he'll do anything to grow our faith for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And does that mean that everything will feel good? No, I said that already. We will go through trouble and struggle. But the trouble and struggle does not have the last word. Because Jesus, he has ascended and he's at the right hand of the Father. And he's king right now. You and I don't know the future, but we simply know who has power over it. And how thankful I am that I have a God who sees my best interests even when I don't often see them and leads me in the way everlasting. On your way in, uh, there was some papers and pencils. Maybe you grabbed them. If you didn't, don't worry. You can do this exercise in your mind. Um, but what I'd like you to do is, I'm sure some things have been brought up before you, some fears. What are the things that cause your heart to start beating faster, your hands to get clammy, fill you with anxiety and fill you with fear because the power that thing may have over and in your life. And I want you to take 20 to 30 seconds and just write that down on the piece of paper. And if you don't have a paper, just put it in your mind. You probably have already been thinking about those one or two or three things. So I wanna give just a time of silence, about 20 or 30 seconds, and just write down the things that tend to fill you with fear. And you can do that right now. Now I'd like you to do, if you have a paper, if you don't, you'll have to imagine this in your mind, okay? Because it's kind of more powerful that way. But I want you to take whatever's written and the power those fears have, and I want you to simply write four letters on top of, over top of, in boldness, over those words. And the four letters are this. Just write it down. L, O, R, D. 
Jesus is alive. He's at the right hand of the Father and he's king. He is Lord over your fears. And every power is inferior and subject to him. What would it look like for you as you write that down to take those fears and place them at the feet of your Savior and Lord Jesus? Say, Father, I don't want to respond to fear to these. I want to fear you more. I want to trust you. As Paul prayed, my prayer is that you would know him better. In closing, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Why don't you stand with me and I'll pray. This is a prayer, it's about 2,000 years old, and I think you've heard it before. It's the prayer Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. Let me pray it over you. Just close your eyes and let these words wash over you and over the fears maybe that you've carried. I pray, Father, today that the eyes of each one in this room and those listening online, that each one of our eyes, the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us. And your incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.